Hey guys, this is Pete. Before we start the show, I just wanted to give a quick shameless plug for my debut novel entitled Frankenstein, A Life Beyond. It's the first direct sequel to Mary Shelley's classic and follows Ernest Frankenstein, the sole survivor of the original book. Like mystery, adventure, romance, horror, then this is the ebook for you. Check it out today on Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, and my website, EnceladusLiterary.com. That's E-N-C-E-L-A-D-U-S Literary.com. Thanks. Now on with the show. Welcome to Hindsight is 2020, a show where we look at anything in this world and arrogantly say how we'd fix it. And I can prove it with my usual flawless logic. These two idiots. (laughs) We give our thoughts on movies and TV shows that should or should not have been. The best way for us to combat crime and be prepared for worldwide emergencies is to work together. From now on, we'll be super friends. With your host... Pete. You got a stupid S on your chest in case we could forget who you are. It's my people's symbol for hope. Hope starts with an H, stupid. And Greg. My ability to talk with fish is of no help, Wonder Woman. And we slowly and mercilessly beat our subject to death. We are going to be in a movie together. I know. It's going to be awesome. I have so many questions. Yeah, me too. What's the premise? Not sure. They're making everyone believe it's a versus movie. Versus? Like, who would win in a fight? That's weird. What are they going to call it? Well, there's only one thing you can call it, I say. The Dark Knight Rises. Again. And then beats up Superman. Whatever. Sounds like the appropriate title to me. Come on, let's be honest. If that's how we're naming this movie, then we should name it Man of Steel, the punch from space that exploded Batman's internal organs. Dot, dot, dot. Or did it? No way! I could wipe you out like a meteor to some dinosaurs. Oh, please. I survived an atom bomb. You mean you tricked everyone into thinking you were in the atom bomb? Dude, you got stabbed by your lady friend when she was right next to you. You punched the Joker over and over again, and all he did was laugh. Bane broke your back. You didn't even defeat him. That was Catwoman, technically. And Alfred even saved you from your own burning house one time. Yep. I went through all of that, and I'm still standing. And we are here for another grand episode of Hindsight is 2020. Oh, not just any episode. Tonight's is a very special episode about the future. And we're going to say it's Hindsight 2020 in the year 2020. What? (laughs) Even though we're technically 2014, we're still going to look ahead to the future and talk about Justice League. But this goes against everything that I tune into the show for. How could you do this to me? Oh, all of you folks who tune into this show will suddenly learn that we're not only cocky and arrogant about things that have happened, we're going to get super cocky and arrogant about shit that has not even happened yet. (laughs) (laughs) Because all we're going off of is an announcement in a Wall Street Journal article a couple of nights ago in an interview with the current Warner Brothers head saying, oh yeah, Zack Snyder is going to be directing Justice League as soon as he's done with Batman vs. Superman, or, if you're listening to this in the future, whatever the hell Man of Steel Part 2 is going to be called. (laughs) We still don't know. But it's in pre-production right now. They're supposed to be starting to shoot at any minute in Detroit uh, and in around Michigan, and it's got Henry Cavill... 
and Ben Affleck and Gal Gadot and then returning folks from Man, Man of Steel, uh, Amy Adams, Lawrence Fishburne, and they just cast somebody as Cyborg, and they got Jesse Eisenberg as Lex Luthor. So it's already smelling a lot like a Justice League movie, but you got to wonder if just Affleck and Cavill are going to be in this movie for the bulk and you're going to see a lot of cameos start ticking in towards the end as a setup for Justice League to follow. So did they pick Detroit because it will look like the destruction has already happened from <laughs> the, <laughs> the events clean, in Man of Steel? Is... The cleanup of Man of Steel has gone horribly as the town has now been abandoned. <laughs> no, Metropolis is now Detroit. <laughs> Sorry, any of you Detroit listeners. Yep, know sorry, they, sorry. They, they chose they chose Michigan for those uh, those good old what do you call them tax breaks. Ah, okay, well, fair enough. So what we're dealing with now is trying to figure out, based off the episode that we've already done on Man of Steel, and both of our similar reactions to it, in that it doesn't slide as far down the scale as Dark Knight Rises has. But it's definitely slipped down a scale after we saw it in the theater last year into more of a realm of eh, good with an edge of disappointing would be my review for Man of Steel. <laughs> Is that okay with a slight edge of uh, poop frosting on top of a pretty decent cake? Well, I was going to go for a three little bears in the porridge analogy, <laughs> but uh, yeah, yours works fine. <laughs> So, but we've got all the same players involved, and I think one of the things that the outrage is going out, outrage machine is going on now is really you're gonna lend Zack Snyder all of this uh, power when he did something that take any emotion out of Man of Steel reviews. It's at like fifty six percent on Rotten Tomatoes. It's not a home run. It made half the amount of money of the Avengers, so they must really, really love, A, either they really are in love with the screenplay for this next upcoming movie, or B, they are just so desperate to not far fall any farther behind Marvel in uh, the cinematic superhero tales that they need to put out on screen. And I hate to say it for my own two cents, but I feel like there's more of the uh, latter at work, <laughs> that there is kind of a hint of desperation that we need to kind of catch up and everything um, because of the model that Marvel seems to have perfected here. So uh, readily, I mean, even building off of the uh, success here with this uh, whatever they're calling it uh group three part three phase three phase three there we phase go two, phase, they're, they're, no they're right now marvel is <laughs> in phase two. Oh, all right because phase one was iron man iron man everything two, leading up to the event uh, the avengers yeah movie. basically the avengers is the turning point of i i, I don't know i don't do phases <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah i mean Iron Man 3 has its fans and its detractors, fine. Um, Thor, I mean, it did fine at the box office and everything like that, but I, I don't know how well long-term that'll kind of hold up. But uh, widely embrace the uh, follow-up Captain America movie here. Uh, it seems to have really 
caught fire here with uh, audiences um, and setting up uh, where we will eventually go here with Avengers 2. So, I mean, they are just on a roll. And Captain America Winter Soldier, I think people have said right. Hey, you know, there is a fantastic Superman movie out there. It just happens to be called <laughs> Captain America the Winter Soldier. <laughs> and they're not wrong in a lot of senses. Not tonally, definitely not, no. No. And the one thing we always harp on and everybody harps on, and it's so obvious now that... I, that's what makes me fearful of why Warner Brothers is hitching their wagon so much to the Snyder train is Marvel has fun. And it seems like Warner Brothers has just been living in this Christopher Nolan world for far too long, and it's unnecessary to stay there. That we do. Uh, I was going to say, has he become more of a burden than an asset after having just wrapped up the Batman films in which, you know, he was highly lauded and praised and everything like that did he manage somehow to jump the shark so to speak here with um man of steel with um his role in that production and one would assume what's to come here i think it's a it's a, a nice parallel would be that uh that that thought process that you have and and go with me on this one is you have a very successful movie and which you have a like a side note character and that side note character is the one that oh god i love that side note character he was fantastic uh, for the role he played in the 10 minutes he was on screen but he wasn't crucial to the movie and the money men who make said whatever movie it is go to a sequel and they follow the impulse of, you know who people really love, that one character who was in for 10 minutes. We need to make the second movie all about them. Wait, 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 wait. Are you describing American Pie 2? Sure, I'll go with American <laughs> Pie 2. Don't go with that impulse of more Stifler. It's unnecessary. <laughs> but in a grander sense, I'm I'm comparing that to the studio with Christopher Nolan made his Batman trilogy, but you really cannot it's almost like they're caught under the whirlwind of everybody loved it but you can't follow that impulse of making every dc movie a christopher nolan just because he made you successful it's not like you're turning the back on the guy uh, because he did do well what he was doing but i think first and foremost if you're going to look at the Marvel model as any any way to jump off of and then spin it in your own way, that's fine. Marvel has used a lot of different people. Every movie except for Iron Man 1 and 2 had a different director and a different vision and a lighter tone. So if you're you really need to step back and and not give the Christopher Nolan model uh the reins for every character you have in the DC universe that Warner Brothers owns. They really need somebody to step in and say, thanks, Chris, you did well. Here's what we need to do going forward, starting completely fresh. And it with Man of Steel and now what, with what it looks like they're going to be doing in the future, it doesn't seem like they're doing that at all. It seems like they're just doubling down on that method. And I think they're going to go down in flames, unfortunately, even though I... I hedge my bets because I I 
can't wait to see it, and I want to see what they come up with. But my gut is telling me that this is just going to go the same route as Man of Steel, and it's going to be joyless. It's going to be look at all the crap that we can put on screen as far as beating people up and craziness, because that's what the people love is the beating people up and the craziness. <laughs> but I'm sure as hell hoping that they're giving the screenplay as much attention as they are how well they can computer image a spaceship in Earth or lower or Earth orbit di- dispatching itself because it's unnecessary to keep showing that shit over and over again when we have no characters to base them on. Well, and in a larger universe um, kind of context and everything like that, let's bring another uh, recent DC, well, recent in the grand scheme of things, uh, property into play here. And what happened with Green Lantern? Because Nolan wasn't involved with that at all. Um, and I wouldn't exactly, you know, I, I think it, also shares some of the problems that we're kind of discussing here about that wasn't you know a fun movie um they tried to cram an awful lot of stuff in just because because it was in the comics and this will be recognizable to fans i guess i think green lantern 2011 is just going to be that i think it has to be taken out of the mix it has to be taken out of the mix and not I, I don't know. It's not like it can't be counted, but it almost like it can't be <laughs> because <laughs> because it just it it was just that erroneous. It was just a plain old movie that didn't work. Mm. So I don't think it can be held up for the grand scheme of what they need to do. It just was flat out a just didn't work type of a movie, and that could be because there were too many hands in the pot saying, "Well, we need our own Iron Man." Well, who can we do? Uh, let's do this. Well, let's get this guy. Well, he's not really ready, right for the part. Doesn't matter. Uh, well, let's get this pretty face. Can she act? No, but let's do it anyways. Uh, um, there's why? where that desperation thing comes in that we're worried about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. That may, maybe Green Lantern can't be discounted. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think that kind of speaks to some of the concerns that we have going forward with what they're kind of talking about and proposing here. All right, so let's let's put ourselves a little bit in the future, and we hindsight back, and what what do we want to see happen with A, Batman versus Superman, or whatever the hell it's called, and B, translating into our form of Justice League. So do we want to see... I'm going to start with a what a big out there at the beginning. What I don't want to see happen with Batman Superman is Iron Man 2's model. <laughs> Iron Man 2, you know, it, it had bits and pieces that were fine, but overall it never felt like a present cohesive movie because they were so concerned about setting up certain stuff for, you know, the larger picture and everything like that. And I think that that story as an individual film fails to kind of stand on its own legs because of that. And especially if they're so big on tying this in and filming it back to back and releasing it so close together and everything like that, I'm really worried that essentially you're going to get kind of a, and especially since you're throwing in, another hero and extra villains and all that kind of stuff that it's just going to get muddled. That's my biggest worry, honestly, that it's not going to feel like a film unto itself. It's going to feel like, well, here's the intro to something to come, (laughs) come back in a few months. 
That's why somebody at, need, at, at uh, DC and Warner Brothers really needs to sit down and look at this Marvel model, not only from what they've done right, but learn from their mistakes. And I think even Kevin Feige will say Iron Man 2 is their weakest link. I mean, some people say The Incredible Hulk with Ed Norton, but I, like, I thought it was all right. The the weakest link in that phase one of Marvel was when they were trying to figure out what they were doing. And I think Iron Man 2 was, holy crap, we got a, uh, a successful movie. We need to make a sequel. And then, wait a minute, but we want to build a cinematic universe with all of our characters. Well, just throw them into this one because we got to make a sequel to the, <laughs> our first successful movie. And then when they did that, I think they they learned quickly, okay, no, 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 we have a plan. Let's stick with the plan. Let's bet on the plan and let's follow it through. They did. Now we see they're reaping the the fruits of their labor. So I think somebody at, at Warner and DC, has there has to be like a Kevin Feige there who can just shepherd this shit through and look at it and say, all right, that's what was wrong with Iron Man 2. Here are the flaws with Man of Steel. Now, we can't open the movie with an immediate backtracking of whatever most people agree were the flaws of the movie and open it with, like, some sort of silly, um, you know, crazy, loopy Superman joking with people or something just because people didn't think there were any jokes in the first movie. <laughs> yeah, no, please. <laughs> oh, you guys didn't think there were jokes, huh? Well, watch this slapstick recreation of the Superman 3 opening with Henry Cavill. <laughs> As we do the Richard Lester uh, penguin on fire and Superman's just fucking ignoring it. <laughs> uh, no. Yeah, please. No. So what I would think would happen is kind of dovetailing off what we had come up with for our Man of Steel reboot, and that would be, and that would be, I think, the obvious stuff. Unless Zack Snyder and David Goyer are just so far against people bitching about how they destroyed an entire major American city with a lot of 9-11 flashbacks and then had their main hero look like he didn't give a shit at the end. <laughs> the hey, he was upset when he killed Zod. Sure. Didn't you hear him yell? Sure. But the only thing that they could logically do that I hope that they see as logical is Lex Luthor and Bruce Wayne both own really rich, big companies. They need to come in and start rebuilding metropolis and that can give batman a reason to tail superman because he's trying to keep an eye on this uh, stranger from another planet who's gonna destroy the the world and then also maybe he has some insight on lex luther and so that's what bringing ben affleck to metropolis to snoop on them and they're saying that this batman has been around for a while as a veteran so he could have a uh, he could have a, a, a name to him already that people already know who he is. Yeah, it's, um, I like that. I I was actually thinking before you even brought that up. I'm willing to bet, or I feel like they should start with Bruce Wayne or Batman even before we get back to Superman. Uh, if you're going to introduce him, introduce him early, introduce him organically into the story. Don't have him show up 40 minutes into it for some reason. Or a really cool opening to this movie 
if they want to just go ahead and shit everything on the screen in the first five minutes <laughs> and have every fanboy poop their pants, I think what they could do is here's your opening of Man of Steel 2. We open at the airport, and Bruce Wayne, billionaire from Gotham City, is at Metropolis, and there's maybe some press there. Hey, Mr. Wayne, what are you doing here? Well, I'm just here to see if I can help the poor souls of Metropolis get back on their feet. And I've got a meeting with some higher-ups here. Oh, really, the mayor? Well, the mayor and some others. Bruce Wayne goes to a conference with Lex Luthor. And they're in a conference room in one of those high-rises shots like Christopher Nolan loved to do of in an actual building. But instead, with CG, we see a bunch of cranes and rubble being removed in the background. And then as Affleck and Jesse Eisenberg are having a meeting in this conference room, and there's maybe the mayor there of Metropolis and a president or something... Suddenly we hear sirens or a crane's going to fall and out the window we see a red and blue streak go by the window real quick and in just a very rapid moment something you can do in cinema because it's show don't tell we can see if they're performed correctly the looks on Jesse Eisenberg and Ben Affleck's faces and we'll know instantly what each of these guys thinks of the big man of steel who just flew by to go save some crane falling or something or another. And that can be our opening scene. I like it. And it shows Superman being invested in Gotham and not just destroying it. Uh, Well, Metropolis, but sure. Yes. Yes. There we go. I know (laughs) where we're at. (laughs) (laughs) This guy knows what's up. And if you really want to just go throw all the marbles on the table and destroy what could be that really cool scene, is in the background Gal Gadot's working as a secret secretary with glasses and mousy hair as she's trying to infiltrate, and she's Wonder Woman. But and and Lex Luthor could turn around and say, Diana, could you go get us a coffee or something or another? And <laughs> and and then it would just and and while you're at it, could you call that uh, that. That crime lab guy who was here, we need to check on some fingerprints. What was his name? Barry Allen? Sure, I will. But, sir, you just got a call from an Air Force pilot named Hal Jordan. Oh, (laughs) jeez. And all within the first ten minutes, everyone in the audience just like, what? Oh, Oh. God, stop it! (laughs) Scrody McBoogerball. What? (laughs) So that that would be an idea for the opening, but that's a, the opening of the second movie. So do you think, based on what you've seen so far, mm-hmm. do you think that there has been enough push out there or enough knowledge of uh, what they did in Man of Steel that Goyer and Chris Terrio, who went in to rewrite the script, and... And uh, Zack Snyder, do you think they realized the reaction to the destruction of Metropolis and they're actually incorporating that as a storyline for the second movie? Or do you think that they were just absolutely so oblivious and all that they cared about was Superman fighting with Zod and thinking that's what everyone was going to love and think was cool, not... Do you think they were surprised by the reaction, let's put it that way, of people going... 
Uh, yeah, you just killed about 900,000 <laughs> humans in about 10 minutes, and Superman didn't even look like he gave two shits about it. Well, I can say, you know, if they want to pay the audience and themselves a compliment, they should be aware of it by now, <laughs> and they should yeah. take it into account. Um, I mean, I I can't tell you the number of times I've heard in conversations or other podcasts or something like that when people will be talking about other movies and everything like that. A prime example with some of the events that happened there in the uh, Captain America Winter Soldier film, people going, look, he's taking the time to watch out for other human beings. He Which, cares. He cares, <laughs> yes. And hence part of the Superman comparison that gets worked in uh, with that character in that film and everything like that. But, yeah, um, again, we t- kind of talked about this already in the Man of Steel podcast, but I think there are, are ways that you can make that work um, for the characters, for the storyline, and overall, you know, to the narrative's advantage and everything like that. Now, whether or not they'll do it, that's another matter, and I think that's where you get into some of the uh, uh, people's general concerns about Zack Schneider being at the helm because he does have a track record of having kind of over-the-top you know, violence in movies and things like that and not always getting why people react the way they react to it. Yeah, and I think the problem with Zack Snyder's stuff is that he really had one big blip on the radar of success and of 300 and he's been living off that for years because he's really not had anything come close to that he's just been living off the good word of 300 being a shocking like late january 100 million dollar opener that people are like what in the hell is that <laughs> And he's just been living off of that with the Owls of Gohul and Sucker Punch. And Watchmen, I thought, was okay, but even there's a lot of people who still say it's like Man of Steel. It's like 50-50. Some people loved it. Some people hated it. He has not had anything since 300 where people can say, Oh, that's great. We should give him the keys to the entire kingdom. And so... I think you can make a movie look visually interesting, but I mean, yeah, as far as some of the choices that he makes with the characters or the storytelling, I think that's where he runs into trouble. And I don't know if uh, somebody like Goyer, who also has a bit of a mixed track record um, with his writing and things like that, always kind of takes some of the weaknesses of the director into account either and makes some adjustments to try to help the overall project be stronger. They kind of balance each other out. The only hope is that the addition of Chris Terrio, who wrote Argo, and I don't know if that won best screenplay, won best picture, mm-hmm. but he wrote Argo. They brought him on to punch up Goyer's script. So that gives me a little bit of hope that there's something here and that these suits at Warner Brothers, even though suits are always, oh, they're the suits, they're still creative people, and there's too much riding on this for them to just jump. I, I have to give them too much too much benefit of the doubt that there's too much money, there's too much prestige riding on these things for them to to completely jump on somebody uh, and back them who is utter garbage. So there has to be something in the screenplay for the sequel that they're seeing and saying. All right, I, I think we can live with this guy making 
our big tent poles here because we don't have Harry Potter to survive anymore and the Hobbit movies are going away soon so we desperately need a franchise and this is our king and queen here Superman and Batman so we and we're putting Wonder Woman on screen for the first time ever which is strange. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's disturbing enough as it is and that was so the other they, thing they're not just going to splice in Linda Carter footage <laughs> <laughs> uh, or uh, what's her name Crosby Denise Crosby or yeah, whatever that, that would be that would be awesome if they just, <laughs> if they just splice those in she just comes in like Poochie I must go my planet needs me you can see the tape <laughs> holding her onto the film they, they don't even use a woman's voice they just use a guy's voice hey buddy I'm Wonder Woman <laughs> god oh man have you just destroyed this is a boys club i got a question for you did you ever watch much of that um there was an animated series wasn't there and we had wonder woman in that there was like a justice league animated series there was justice league and then justice league unlimited and i did watch them quite a bit they're on netflix actually and they're okay there's some episodes that are good some episodes that are bad some of them just drag on I know Justice League, I think, I don't know, it was Unlimited or one of them has uh, all of their seasons, which is only like two or three, are Mm -hmm. just a series of uh, almost like uh, the old Batman show. It's like every two episodes are tied together. So episodes one and two are two parts of a story, and then three and four are parts of a story. And they did that through that whole season, so there was no standalone episode but they they were okay. they were pretty good. I mean, it was the same guys that did Batman the animated series. It was Bruce yeah. Tim. It was Paul Dini. So it was good for what it was. And I mean, maybe that's what it comes down to. Maybe until they can figure out a way to crack the nut of updating completely into the 21st century, the DC characters were created in the 30s and 40s. And they're very one note, and they've had to been adapted over and over and over again. The Marvel characters were created in the 60s and the 70s, and they were created as human beings and fleshed out characters. And, you know, Clark Kent as a character has been added on to mythologically over the years because they've been trying to make him more human. And a lot of people always say the most Marvel of the DC characters is Batman. And you look at it, the most successful in the cinemas of all the DC characters is Batman. (laughs) So I hate to say it because I grew up as a DC kid, but I I mean, I thought about this today uh, on Walking the Dogs was in preparation for this episode thinking all of the Marvel characters in the cinematic universe right now, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but all the Marvel cinematic universe characters do not have a secret identity there's mm-hmm. none of them hiding behind a mask everyone knows tony stark is iron man mm-hmm. captain america loses his helmet hey it's steve rogers also known as captain america uh the general public doesn't know about banner i guess y- yeah uh, but i mean he's either called banner or he's called the hulk or whatever mm-hmm and yet, when you go to the DC side, it's, I have a mask, I'm one guy, and now, I'm, <laughs> hey, I'm this guy. And, hey, everybody, I got glasses on. Now I'm Superman. I, everybody has a secret identity and a mask and operate outside the law. And 
I don't know if that is just passe anymore. It's like the old theory that we talked about in Man of Steel of, Mm -hmm. and still a little bit in Smallville, was one of the big things in the Superman mythos that they had to get rid of, and I'm glad they did, was, okay, Lois Lane knows who this guy (laughs) is. Thank God. So let's just get get past that. I'm wondering if there's going to be some way that DC is going to have to I mean, Batman's the only one that I think, yeah, you got to keep him a secret as a human being and mm-hmm. all kind of shit. But, you know, the Nolan films, half the people on screen at any moment knew who the hell this guy was. So why he was using the goofy voice was completely <laughs> pointless. They knew who he was. Because it was more dark and mysterious. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, and when Wonder Woman comes around, I mean, she's just plain Wonder Woman. Maybe she'll be dark and mysterious too. Oh God! <laughs> All right, let's let's focus up here. So we got Man of Steel two, Batman versus Superman. They're saying Batman versus Superman. I think it's going to be mainly Batman investigating this alien. It's they were all about saying Man of Steel was a first contact story. So fine, uh, Batman's there to investigate uh, Superman to make sure that he is not going to destroy their planet. And he is mistrustful of Superman. So he's going to go toe-to-toe with him, because that's what the title is essentially saying now, is Versus. Mm -hmm. And then they're eventually, at the end, going to have some sort of bigger battle, whether that's Lex Luthor or whether they bring in Darkseid, which is the big godlike creature from outer space that, yet again... All this shit came before Marvel, and even as I say it, I'm realizing if Darkseid shows up for the Justice League movie, and the earliest we maybe see that is 2017, mm-hmm. the general public is already going to see Thanos in the Marvel world, who was the response to Darkseid, and they're going to say, <laughs> DC, you're just copying, this is stupid, even though Darkseid came first, and from the little I know about between the two, he's the the I don't know if you can go cooler, but he's the more interesting of the big, crazy space god, ultimate, like, meta people, whatever, that can destroy planets. So uh, that would be I feel like you might want to build up the uh, connection with the characters and the goodwill of the audience before you delve into that, especially if your chief rival, uh, it's known that that is where they are going. Yeah, and I think that's the other problem that DC's having is they're like, well, uh, what what could we possibly have that is going to bring these people together? Because yet again, these... <laughs> the Marvel Universe invades the DC Universe, <laughs> and they all have to fight their bizarro selves. <laughs> well, they did that in the comics in the 90s. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> and that was interesting. <laughs> but... Uh, yeah, that, it's, the, the faults lie with the innate nature of the characters that inhabit the Justice League. Superman is well. Let's let's Jesus. talk about the members of the the Justice League here for a second because I got to be honest. Typically, when people say you know oh, the Justice League they're going to do a Justice League movie yada yada yada, my brain automatically goes to Super Friends. <laughs> well. There, there's a core lineup, and then there's an expanded lineup. Right. There's so the as I understand it, the core is Superman, Batman, Aquaman, The Flash, Green Lantern, Wonder Woman, and Martian Manhunter. That was the original. Okay. 
I mean, the, the, the baseline is Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, and then the expansion out from there is the Flash and Green Lantern. Those, okay. are, those are pretty much accepted as always going to be in the Justice League. No matter what, those are your Justice League core. Then from there, you've got Aquaman or Martian Manhunter, and now more, and obviously they're doing it for the movie, they cast this stage actor to play Cyborg. Mm-hmm. Uh, so now you've got him involved, and then from there you start radiating out to a lot of lesser, you know, you had Hawkman and Hawk Girl, and who they actually had on Smallville. And <laughs> who were those? Who were those goofy twins who like... Oh, uh, Jaina or yeah, Wonder, the Twi- Wonder Twins. Yeah, the monkey. <laughs> <laughs> oh, if the we Wonder get Gleek the monkey in here. <laughs> if the Wonder Twins show up at the end of this next movie, I am in. You got my money for the Justice League movie. If the Wonder Twins show up. Uh, there, there you go. That's the real threat. It'll be like one of those Scooby Doo movies where Scrappy Doo turned out to be the villain. It's the Wonder Twins. <laughs> Wonder Twin powers activate. Yeah. Oh, and why do you always form a puddle, you idiot? <laughs> <laughs> oh, they actually—I I think they actually did that on Smallville. And oh, really? <laughs> like season five? Yeah, I want to say season five. It wasn't a, a direct. Here's the Wonder Twins. It was more along the lines of, "All right, we're gonna throw a very, very muted bone to the fans, <laughs> and we're gonna have these two weird-looking guys." who have the ability to create a force field by essentially just merging their fists together and creating a force field. And essentially that was about as close as as anyone was going to get to live action wonder twins as possible. (laughs) But, Oh God, no. (laughs) Well, this does raise a question though. All right. So we're talking about, Oh, you know, man of steel, it kind of suffers from being too serious and you go further back in the DC uh, movie catalog here, and you're looking at the um, late 90s round of Batman movies and going, whoop, too campy. Where do you draw the line with some of this stuff? Because you want to infuse some, you know, humor, levity, whatever, but you don't necessarily want to dive back over into the realm of camp and everything. So how do you walk the tightrope? With, as you were pointing out, people who are all, "Uh, you can't know my secret identity. It's too important to the world. Well, if you just take the big two that we've seen so far, I think there are two very distinct cinematic moments Mm -hmm. that you can pull out and say, if you can match that consistently for both Batman and Superman throughout this movie, I think you're going to win. And my references would be, in Superman Returns, the scene on the rooftop when Brandon Routh as Superman is going against the bank robbers right. and the gun, uh, machine guns shooting off his chest and then the guy fires a bullet at his eyeball and it falls down. And then there's a quick pause and he looks up at the guy and smirks. And for that one brief moment, you're like, oh, yeah, that's kind of cool. Except I saw it in the trailer and it's kind of boring. <laughs> so if you can have that one little moment of, hey, that was kind of cool. And on the Batman side, if you have the Dark Knight moment where he's just flipped over the the tumbler and then he breaks out onto the bat pod and the music vump vump starts kicking in as he, you know, becomes Batman. So I think if you can take those two moments 
with not making them comedy, but just that kind of the audience. You can almost guarantee you can get the audience. You can see it already going, whoa, look at that. Where Batman and a cool gadget that just takes over somebody who was not expecting it. And Superman going with his powers up against somebody who just doesn't realize he has those powers. And if you can work those two things out right, you're going to get those guys right. And as far as Wonder Woman, I mean, I just don't have enough reference to be able to talk intelligently about the character. But Well, what what would you want them, from what you do know of the character, what would you want them to keep? What would we say is essential to her character? Honestly, the only things I really know about her character come from the animated movies, the animated TV show. There was a really good, of these Warner Brothers direct to DVD, direct to video animated movies that have been really, really good. If there is mm-hmm. any any competition with Marvel, it it's that. It's just not on the biggest scale. And they did one for Wonder Woman. I think Carrie Russell was the voice. And it was actually really good. I mean, it was really, really good. And from what I gleaned from that, the Wonder Woman character grew up in a place where it was only dominant, powerful women who were bred as warriors. Right. And if you'd use the fish-out-of-water stuff from Thor, the first Thor movie, where he's suddenly smashing a coffee cup on the ground and saying, bring me another, and going into a pet store and saying, "Get, I need a steed to ride. Uh, she's got kind of that atmosphere where... She comes to Metropolis or something, and in Metropolis, people are kind and courteous or whatever, and she just, get me one of those ice cream cones. I like this. I will have another kind of stilted voice, and and it's all about the battle and winning. And so she, her character arc, from what I understand, has to be learning how to fit in with humanity and not be always in battle mode. Or, or, or something to that effect, but again, so start her out a little more socially raw, so to speak. I guess because that's the only thing I know about that character. And now let's we get into the details here of what we're going to see. Mm-hmm. And the theory that I heard pop up that I kind of like, but then I know that fanboys everywhere are going to get pissed off about it is in Man of Steel when Clark found the uh, the ship and Russell Crowe was there and he found the ship where it had pods and it was a scout ship from Krypton and one of the pods was open. And some people said, well, that could be Supergirl or, or something like that. But the, the ship's been there for 20,000 years. There was a good theory bouncing online that because Wonder Woman grows up on a an island of Amazonian powerful warrior women where does she get her superpowers from and somebody created the thought of well what if 20,000 years worth of evolution from the person who got out of that pod who intermixed with another spe- you know with humans and on an island there's sort of superpowered half kryptonian people that Diana is one of I, that obviously completely changes Wonder Woman's background, but is that something that if everything was tied back to the Kryptonian stuff they set up in Man of Steel, would that be satisfactory? 
Well, it would at least feel of the same universe and of a whole. So um, I think you could play with that idea, at least. Uh, doesn't doesn't seem any worse than, you know, girl gets off mystical island and <laughs> of Amazonian women and comes to the big city and has powers for some reason. Yeah, that's why I think without even, and I think the general populace is probably right there and that they don't know really. All they know is Linda Carter and a a a one piece American flag with a lasso. They don't know anything else. So I mean, I think you could, if you're going to go all in with this universe you created, I'd say that's the way to do it. Just go all in with. All right, fine. You 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 set it up with the Kryptonian uh, scout ship, and Kryptonians on Earth have powers. And if she's not as powerful as Superman. That must mean she's been generation after generation diluted a little bit, but she's still got some power. She's still a little like a meta-human. So, fine. Go with it. I like that idea. Yeah, no. I, I would be fine with that as well. Um, now, some of these other characters and everything like that, how much of a burden of the origin story do you think that they'll get into in the Justice League movie? Are we going to have to see any of these people and how they got their powers or are they just all going to already be kind of formed and then do you think DC will kind of spread fan it out kind of reverse Avengers and we'll go through and get the origin story for these different people you think that might be their long term plan or you think they've even thought that far down the road well what I think they're going to probably do is uh, I mean they're just going to do the what will eventually be seen as the anti-Marvel method they're going to have the big team-up movie, and then they're going to split and have a bunch of individual movies after that. Now, whether or not they follow the Marvel line distinctly, and here's this individual's movie, and here's this individual's movie, and a lot of what the complaints that people have had about the, the Phase 2 Marvel movies is, okay, Iron Man 3, the president's kidnapped, and it's Iron Man and Rhodey is there as the Iron Patriot. How about you guys call Captain America? <laughs> he might be able to help too. Maybe you guys could get a little more help. <laughs> and so that's the big problem is they're facing now is you have the big team up movie and now uh why don't you just call your buddy uh, uh hey Captain America, you're fighting Hydra. Why don't you just call Stark in? He's got some suits. Maybe he could go. Well, he doesn't really after Iron Man three, but uh-uh. <laughs> <laughs> spoiler. But if you can get these people under contract well enough, I think you could almost survive by just doing a couple of Justice League movies, and then maybe do a prequel movie for each. And suddenly you're into 2025, 2026. And you've got yourself covered. I, I mean, you're not doing two or three a year like Marvel's doing for Disney, but if you do one a year, I think you're fine. And you've got enough stable of characters that, God, you could go on for ever. And by that time, who knows what the media landscape's going to be? Who knows? Netflix might be bigger than movie theaters. So suddenly you're going to want to just make everything directly for Netflix, like Marvel's doing with a couple of theirs, like Daredevil. Yeah. Um, I was going to actually bring up sending it back to the small screen. Now, they've got a couple of things currently running, yes? Yeah, you got Arrow and The Flash on the CW, 
And now they're doing a show on Fox called Gotham, which is, uh, you know, about the young Bruce Wayne. Well, it's not really about young Bruce Wayne. It's about young Jim Gordon and the cops and right around Bruce Wayne's parents' murder. But it's on Fox. Right. So, you know, instantaneously, they're already not learning the lesson from Marvel <laughs> when Marvel didn't have a studio and sold their licensing to Sony and to Fox and to Lionsgate and now are like, damn it, we really want Spider-Man and we really want X-Men, but we can't. So Only we had these characters again, yep. Yeah, and Warner Brothers, you own a network. <laughs> <laughs> Why would you not just put that on the CW and then you can have access to it whenever the hell you want, and you can make Ben Affleck show up in there whenever you want. And suddenly the CW is going to get higher ratings than the four major networks because Batman's going to show up on this show that you own. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, you could almost get a lot of these uh, origin stories and kind of open the universe up if you did it a little bit more cost-effectively through TV or, like you were saying, through a Netflix original or something like that. But, yeah, really good point there about selling off the rights. <laughs> <laughs> so what, So here, here is... I guess one of the grandest theories that is floating around the interwebs now, and it's one of those things that, oh, man, it could literally go either way. No one outside of the Warner Brothers corporate offices knows what the hell they're thinking. Are they going to allow the Stephen Amell character of Green Arrow and Grant Gustin's The Flash, Barry Allen, are they going to be able to transition from their CW shows into a Justice League movie next to Ben Affleck and Gal Gadot and Jesse Eisenberg and Henry Cavill? Well, we saw that didn't go quite the way that they were talking or thinking about at one point there for Tom Welling. So, But that was just such a different world. That was not meant to connect, I don't think. Mm. Uh, I mean, it was, yeah, well, we can do Tom Welling, but same time Brandon Routh, and we see how that, well, that turned out. Which one well, won that one? <laughs> but you've got it going on now, yet again, with Marvel. They have Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. on Disney's ABC. They own it all, and they are crossing the stream, so to speak, between the movie and TV show constantly. As soon as Amer Captain America Winter Soldier came out, all the effects from that movie spilled over to the TV show Agents of, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. So, my thought, why not have Stephen Amell and Grant Gustin show up on the Justice League set for two days and play the same characters? Because otherwise, all you're going to do is A, confuse a bunch of people, and B, delegitimize the TV shows that you're paying for and that are making you money <laughs> by saying, well, we were working hard to cast and we have the Flash on CW, but fuck that. We need to cast again because he's not big enough for the movie, so don't even bother well, watching the show. We've got a built-in audience who we can just uh, you know, pour it over here from TV. Uh, wait, wait, wait. No, no, no. Let's not go nuts. No. <laughs> But I think that would be one of the coolest things to see is either at the end of the second of uh, Batman Superman or beginning of Justice League, even if you don't want Green Arrow showing up because, yeah, he's just a bow and arrow guy, and I, apparently the show is pretty cool. I've only watched halfway through first season, and it was all right. But 
and they've done a lot of DC crossovers with the characters that they're allowed to. I've noticed that on a lot of the message boards or whatever on the internet is there has been a lot, a lot more than Smallville ever dared to do. They have taken full advantage of the fact that DC has a well of characters 10 miles deep and they know they can get some that fanboys are going to be like, oh my God, it's Deathstroke or it's the other Al Ghul daughter. It's not Talia, but it's the other one. So let's, can we have her? Sure. Then bring her on. But if you can have the Flash TV show set up for the fall, they better be smart enough to realize that in their casting sessions, they should have been looking saying, he looks good as the Flash for the CW. Can he also work on the big screen? Because if they weren't doing that in casting sessions, then maybe this is my final point. I am very, very, very wary of what's coming out of Warner Brothers' mouths <laughs> for the next two DC movies. That, that's where I could leave it. Because if they didn't plan ahead for the Flash TV show and being able to incorporate that, then they just don't really have an idea of what the modern age media model is. Well, and I guess we'll have to stay tuned, as they say, for uh, finding out what they end up doing with that and everything. But, yeah, definitely it'll be an interesting watch here as far as uh, how all of this develops and comes together or even fails to come together down the road. So, but. And I think that the Green Lantern is going to end up being the Angley's Hulk. <laughs> just, <laughs> we're just going to jump in. We're going to see how Jordan's going to be a new guy. Yep, it's a new guy. Deal with it. And that's it. So you can take or leave that other movie. Well, I'm, I'm sure you have some people who are diehard Green Lantern fans, and that's the, you know the main thing other than the cartoons that they have to go off of for their character, and I get that, but that was not a good movie. No. And <laughs> diehard Green Lantern fans, come on. That's really the demographic that Warner <laughs> That's the tiny, minuscule pinhead that they're going after in the wealth of dollars they're trying to grab from Marvel. <laughs> no, I don't think they care. <laughs> so I, re I really hope that come this time next year, we're on the doorstep of Batman versus Superman. We've seen some trailers and... Well, I mean, it's not till 2016, so we still got to wait a while. But ho hopefully, we can be seeing some images, seeing some trailers soon, seeing stuff from the set, and suddenly things don't look so goofy. And like, oh, okay, well, maybe they do know what they're doing. And I really want to be blown away because for all the good that Marvel has done, let's face facts, people. Before 2008. If you would have said the lineup of the Avengers, people would have said, who the fuck is Iron Man? <laughs> I've heard of Captain America. Thor, uh, I think I heard of him in a mythology class in high school. Black Widow, that's a <laughs> spider. Hawkeye was the guy from MASH. And, <laughs> oh, yeah, I know the Incredible Hulk. Yeah, Lou Frigno. So the Marvel created it from scratch. And Very true. What DC is doing is if they can nail this, they will instantly in one quick swoop gain all of the momentum back for whatever this competition is to win in the cinematic com comic book hero movie universe because they've got Superman and Batman and Wonder Woman and they don't have any of the things where 
If Marvel in 2008 had started with Spider-Man and Iron Man, we'd be in a different world. Or X-Men and Spider-Man. But they didn't, and they made something out of it. So if DC can do something even halfway as good as, as Avengers with these main characters that everybody knows, <laughs> then uh, that will just rock and roll, and Marvel will not know what hit them. And then they're going to have to keep working twice as hard to... Uh, keep good scripts coming out and and well it'll be interesting too since they're not following the exact same model and everything to see where obviously both of these um kind of studios and all their properties and everything end up but uh yeah i mean it could potentially really um open up some really neat stories and movies and television shows and everything long term uh if they can successfully launch this so and they really need to embrace what their characters are. I think Joss Whedon said that once in a Avengers panel when they t- asked him about his failed Wonder Woman screenplays that he wrote and that Warner's didn't pick up on. And you think, God, who would write the best Wonder Woman script? Joss Whedon. Well, he tried, and they shot him down. <laughs> he stated that pretty well, and I think it's a good closer, as he stated, Warner Brothers cannot be afraid of everything that their characters are they can't keep fitting all of their characters into a batman box or a superman box superman is space jesus wonder woman is a goddess from a mystical island that no one's ever seen or heard of and it's not the island from lost (laughs) and batman is a a freaking dark brooding cool detective just go with all of that enjoy it and have fun with it. Don't make everything super brooding. Just have fun with what the characters are. Be true to what the characters are. And you can't lose because then you've got 80 years worth of on-the-page stories already told. That just like Marvel, all you have to do is just, just pull it from the page. It's already there. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's great advice. I mean, make it fun as a production and make it fun for the audience to watch. Yeah, make it make some points and make it decent, but Dark Knight had points. Dark Knight had gravitas. Dark Knight was also fun as hell to watch <laughs> because it was true to the characters while updating it for modern age. So yeah, if you're gonna follow, if you're gonna follow or take a lesson from anything to do with the Nolan verse, take that path. <laughs> And that's what we hope, is that Man of Steel was their Batman Begins, that was their Superman Begins, and that now they can take the shackles off, and instead of Batman versus the Joker, we can have Superman versus Batman, and this will be our Dark Knight, and and hopefully it'll take off. But hopefully it won't be as limiting as the Dark Knight, because obviously Christopher Nolan was not universe-building, he was just telling a story. Yeah. So, there... We have solved what shall be. (laughs) (laughs) And it won't be anything like what we just said. (laughs) What are your your closing punches on the Justice League since I overtook this one? 
No, nothing. I mean, I, I think you pretty much hit all the points that I would have hit. Um, again, the the only thing that I'm really hoping doesn't happen here with the Batman versus Superman movie is that it just becomes a muddled mess because they're too worried about setting up what's to come. And, yeah, just don't make everything dour and overburdened with characters or too serious or whatever. Have some fun with it. Make an adventure. Yeah, let people enjoy the characters who they've loved in cases for decades. So I think that's all you really can ask for from either of these movies. And let's hope beyond hope that they give it to us. <laughs> no more Green Lanterns. <laughs> no more uncaring Men of Steel. <laughs> Man of Steel 2. He cares this time. <laughs> You see the billboards in the background. He's caring. <laughs> he, he likes people. Honest. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, Justice League ho. Hey, oh. Uh, giggity. Banded together from remote galaxies are 13 of the most sinister villains of all time. The Legion of Doom. Dedicated to a single objective, the conquest of the universe. Only one group dares to challenge this intergalactic threat, the Super Friends. Don't forget to like us on Facebook. Episodes can be downloaded on iTunes or at EnceladusLiterary.com. I didn't just inherit my abilities from a different fucking atmosphere. This air makes me strong, you fucking nerd. Opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the individual hosts and may not reflect those of Enceladus Literary. The Justice League of America versus the Legion of Doom. This is the challenge of the Super Friends. Okay, but... Ah! Batman, Superman... I saw the bat signal. What's going on? Commissioner Gordon, Batman and I were discussing a partnership. Wait, but why? That's what I said. Yeah, that seems completely unnecessary. Right? I've been dealing with you lunatics for about a decade, and this is, I can't believe it, when I say this, I'm in total agreement with Batman. Feels good. Why are you guys being this way? Somebody's got to tell you, man. You're boring.